Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we're talking to USC football. Of course, the big news this morning, Clay Helton is now the permanent head coach, no longer the interim head coach of USC. Uh, we could do the Harvey Hyde podcast this morning. We're going to try to reschedule that during the week. I'll talk with him. But we have Gerard Martinez from uscfootball.com, national recruiting analyst, overall good guy who knows everything about USC recruiting. Also, he does a great job on the coaching hot board, which we no longer need. He did a lot of great profiles, including one of Clay Helton. So we're going to talk to Gerard Martinez and answer some of your questions that have come in this morning about this USC coaching search. It's actually been a crazy day so far. We've had plenty of these around USC lately. So we'll try to get to all your questions and get you a bunch of podcasts this week. We wanted to get Gerard on today. If you have any questions for us, email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can give us a call at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. Hit the pound sign, leave us a voicemail. Keep it brief because we're not going to play long voicemails over a minute. We're not going to play it. So keep them short, and we'll love to play them on the air. You can also go to peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page, leave us a voicemail there. And, of course, go to iTunes.com slash Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes to our podcast with multiple different apps. You can also give us a five-star rating. We'd appreciate that. It helps propagate the podcast to all the USC Trojan fans across the globe. We love the people all over the, the nation and all over the world listening to the Peristyle Podcast. And let's bring in Gerard Martinez. You can follow him on Twitter at GMartLive. What's up, Gerard? How are you? I'm doing well. Um Interesting that uh, I'm on a Monday, which uh, usually we do the blast like on a Thursday. So yes. uh, I'm, I'm I'm the leadoff hitter uh, with Coach Hyde uh, on the bench, I guess, uh, for this week, uh, which may be a good thing for some SC fans because I don't know, uh, you know, how critical Coach Hyde might be of the hire. Maybe I'll have a little bit more of a silver lining perspective for everyone. All right, yeah. Well, I'm not sure. You know, we'll we'll talk to Coach Hyde this week for sure, um, and you know, kind of get his thoughts of everything that's going on. But we wanted to bring you in. And, uh, we, you know, it was interesting, and for people who don't know, there were some rumblings on the message boards on uscfootball.com yesterday, and I had called you, and I had heard, hey, it sounds like they're going to hire Clay Helton, and does it make sense? Most of the people we talked to didn't re- that are connected didn't really know. Um, they were like, that doesn't really make sense. Why the timing? Logic, when we're talking logic, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense, but heard from a couple sources this could go down. A lot of people that are really well connected didn't think it was going down. So this was kind of a really weird, I think tight-lipped kind of, I don't want to say search because they didn't really search that far. They just hired Clay Helton. But it was, it was really, the whole process to me was pretty weird, Gerard. It, it was a bit strange, but again, you know, we came probably to the end of October and at that point, once we got in November and you weren't hearing anything about you know, specific talks with specific candidates. Um, you know, I think it was the end of October that uh, a couple sources had said that, you know, Pat Hayden had yet to really evaluate any of the candidates on the list. And when you haven't actually evaluated anybody yet, that sort of speaks that you already have somebody in mind. And it was either some NFL guy that was still coaching that really didn't want the news to get out that he could potentially move, or it was Clay Helton. It was really one of those two. There, there wasn't really a middle ground for me, logically speaking, as to how quiet it really was. 
And as time went on and a couple of weeks had passed, we'd heard, you know, more and more about, uh, you know, kind of Pat Hayden's support for Clay Helton and, and really kind of root for him uh, to win out. So it made it easier for him to hire uh, Clay Helton in the end. Um, that didn't happen. USC didn't win out. And obviously, you know, they lost to Oregon. And a lot of people thought, well, maybe that's going to kind of derail uh, a lot of the Helton talk. Um, but, you know, it didn't. And, and timing-wise, I guess you could speak to just how difficult it would have been to hire him, you know, after a loss as opposed to a win. So if you go and you beat UCLA, and it's the first time you beat them, um, you know, in three years, and certainly it's a rival, um, it makes it a little easier than potentially going and playing Stanford uh, in the Pac-12 championship game, a team that USC has already lost to. So in terms of the gamble, I mean, obviously there was a lot of momentum uh, with the players, and there was momentum within Heritage Hall and the McKay Center um, to hire Clay Helton at this point, and then possibly uh, bring that into the Stanford game and win the Pac-12 championship. Um, it, it, it's just one of those things that, you know, I like a lot of people felt like if you wanted to make a search that was thorough, then you give yourself more time, and there was no necessary rush to make it now, to make the announcement now. Uh, people brought up uh, the recruiting dead period and the contact period and having in-home visits and what have you, uh, but that really wasn't going to change. USC is going to be going to the Pac-12 championship game. They're not going to be able to recruit a whole lot, um, you know, this week. Uh, they are, you know, stopping in various places. There are some local in-home visits that they will have this week, uh, but it's not going to be a, a prolific week for them recruiting when they have to get ready for Stanford this weekend. Um, so uh, it, it's a it's a it's an interesting debate, you know, as to the timing of it all. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, Pat Hayden felt really good about Clay Helton, and I think that's why we heard so little about other candidates. It was similar to the Sarkeesian hiring in, in that you know, really the only guy that was a candidate that that USC interviewed and talked to. Um, was Chris Peterson, and and we know how that went. There was two interviews, and USC didn't like his personality. They just felt like, you know, they needed to go in the opposite direction of of Lane Kiffin in terms of his personality and his disposition for the player's sake. And so Steve Sarkeesian was kind of the guy from the word jump, and that's hindsight. You know, we didn't hear that at the time. We kind of thought that it would be a more thorough search. But in the end of the day, what we actually heard from the real good sources that we had, that you know, the people that are, are right very very often. There just weren't other names, and in this case, there really just weren't other names. We can say for sure that Jim Harbaugh had, uh, or excuse me, John Harbaugh, Jim's brother, uh, had been in communication with USC. Um, now, what does that mean in terms of was USC talking to him through official uh, means, or was it more indirect contact with agents? Um, you know, we know the agent had been in contact with USC. That much we know. Um, whether G uh, John Harbaugh was actually in contact with Pat Hayden, we don't have anybody saying that that specifically happened. Pete Carroll, uh, sort of similar. It was booster-driven, and they reached out to him. They had a meeting with him, and then supposedly uh, Hayden followed up uh, with uh, a conversation with him. Not an interview, but a, a conversation. Um, they didn't sit down and you know, evaluate Pete Carroll as, hey, you know, why do you want to be USC's head coach? Never got that far with Pete Carroll. As we reported um, pretty early on when that started to swirl about Pete Carroll, he was going to be a guy that probably was going to stay in the NFL. And so you had some of those big names out there, but, um, you know, whether they really wanted to cultivate those options, it kind of remains that that was probably not what the motivation was, I think, from early on. Yeah, no, it seems like, you know, we know that, and he, Todd Hayden said today, he said they interviewed quote unquote several candidates, um, which I really have a hard time believing. I, you know, he mentioned Chip Kelly specifically. He did not interview him. Bruce Feldman, our buddy Bruce Feldman asked him directly. 
Um, hey, did you interview Chip Kelly? He said no. And we had heard through other sources that Chip Kelly was not contacted. I think he, he said as much there. So, I mean, that, that one would have made probably the most sense of all the NFL guys because he was, you know, just so recently in college. Um, but, you know, timing was weird. I, but I think, like, people, I've been, I've been kind of critical of Pat Hayden and what he's been doing here. I think Clay Helton can do a great job. I really do. I think that the, it's not just that the players love him. Players love just about anybody. Um, I don't think players want, I think there's something important to kind of specifically, you know, kind of talk about. The players want stability. They want familiarity. They want to, to have somebody there that they know and that they like. And, and yes, they do like Clay Helton. And I think Clay Helton has a lot of accountability and has been a very honest, uh, straightforward coach with them. And I think that's what speaks to, the, you know, the players kind of galvanized and, and, you know, rallying around him to some extent. But, you know, they also liked Ed Erdron, and it was the same thing with Ed Erdron. They felt like Ed Erdron was the guy, and a lot of that has to do with just players, coaches, and, and the, the stability of it all. I mean, they've known Clay Helton. They know who he is. They know his system. And so from that standpoint, when you're talking about players and recruits, it's a bit myopic and short-sighted in terms of what they want. It's, they're not thinking, oh, you know, Five years from now, I hope Clay Health and such and such. No, no, no. They right now, I don't want to have to learn a new playbook. I don't want to get to new, a, a, no new coach that might be just you know a complete a hole to me. I I like these guys here now. So that that tends to be really what drives the players' opinions and the and the recruits' opinions. Yeah, um, but you know, it's I do think, like I was saying, I think he can do a really good job. I like the way. Uh, I mean, I think he has changed the culture a little bit. Is it easy to change the culture when you're coming from you were a Lane Kiffin assistant and you were a, a Steve Sarkeesian assistant? I don't think it's real easy, but it seems to have worked. You know, and the good thing is, is and this is not, you know, th- this could be for a lot of people, but unfortunately for USC, it hasn't been that way. He's the adult in the room and he's going to mm-hmm. be that adult. And I think USC kind of needed that. Um, it's not that John Harbaugh or anyone else couldn't have been that adult in the room. Um, but I, you know, Clay Helton, they needed something like that. So I think he will bring a sense of stability, like you mentioned. And is it a, he's not a glitzy hire. He admitted that as much. Who knows? We might be in this position a couple of years from now and, and doing it again, but he signed a five year guaranteed contract. Um, now the good thing is he, we don't know what the terms of that contract. Um, and I know ESPN reporting, reporting three years and two year, uh, um, option, but Pat, Pat Hayden said specifically it was a five year guaranteed contract. His five years, could you know equate to two years of a John Harbaugh or something contract? So it's not really that, and it shows some stability for recruits and for the longevity of the program. But it's not to say that if this team is you know a 500 program two years down the road that they're not going to go in another direction. Yeah, I mean you know we've seen with with contracts and, and unforeseen things that pop up, and um, I, I guess that's you know sort of get to that bridge, you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you cross that bridge when you get to it, and and right now you're sort of looking at the fit, and you're looking at you know who Clay Helton is, and and how can he develop this program from this point on, and you know the word culture gets thrown around a lot, and I did a lot with the profiles and and the the, the leadership aspect of each of these candidates, and and that really comes into the culture that they instill, and I think with Clay Helton, like I said before. He's a player's coach because I think he's been pretty upfront and honest with his guys. And it's, it's not just about being honest in what you say, but it's being honest in what you do and setting policies and rules and going forward with them and letting them play through and not changing what you're doing. I mean, I think the example, you know, with Lane Kiffin that really stood out to me is, you know, he started 
telling a lot of the incoming guys that were freshmen, you got to earn your number. And then before Lamar Dawson even got on the campus, he had number 55. And that was just one early example of, hey, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to do another thing. And it's like whatever in the moment works for me and works for what I want to do, that's what we'll do. And you can't do it as a coach. you got to establish a foundation of trust for your players, and you can't – I remember – I'll just throw like a weird example out there. I was in high school. I was playing high school football. And I won't even get into coaches' names or anything like that. But I'm playing college or playing high school football. And uh, I remember we were in practice, and we were doing special teams drills. And it was hot, and it was two-a-days. And special teams drills during, you know, those type of practices suck because it's kickoff drills, and you're running downfield as fast as you can. And the coaches are basically using this almost as a conditioning drill. So coaches are yelling at us, like, get out of here, get out of there. And finally, the head coach actually says, okay, first person that gets down there to make the tackle, you get the rest of the period off. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to make this tackle. So I ran my ass off. and I was, t- I was tired. I was dead tired. I ran my ass off, went down there, knocked the crap out of the kickoff returner, made him fumble, recovered the fumble, and it got tackled on like the two-yard line. And I'm like, oh, yes, and it's a great play. And it's like, oh, that was like a great practice play. And I'm running off the field. <laughs> and coach goes, where the hell are you going, Martinez? I'm like, what do you mean, where am I going? He goes, come on, get – and I'm like looking around like, wait a second, did I just not hear that if whoever made the tackle wasn't getting the rest of the- No, I ended up down there. They put me on kickoff return the next rep, and I had to go out there and block the guy that I just put on his ass who tried to block me on kickoff team. So that was one of those things where, um, wait a second, there's inconsistency there. You told me one thing and you did another, and that's huge for players. That truth, just knowing that your coach has your back, and if he says this, then that's the way we're going to do it. It's when you start to get those inconsistencies of coaches saying one thing and doing another, that eats away at the culture. So that's at the very, very foundation is where I think Clay Helton is strong and he can build from. The questions, and we can get into this and then get your opinion on it, is going to be what is his system, where is his background in terms of game planning, and the culture in terms of his philosophy, not only in the locker room but outside the locker room. That we don't know about Clay Helton. And obviously, we see the system now from a game plan standpoint as being sort of the Lane Kiffin, Sarkeesian, old USC offense combined with some new college stuff that Sark wanted to run because he liked Chip Kelly's offense. That's sort of what USC has right now. Now, is that really what Clay Helton wants to run in the future? I don't know. Do you know? Um, We don't know. And he's not really willing to talk about the future right now. He wants to talk about they have blinders on for Stanford. I think there's going to be significant changes going forward. And we'll, we'll, we have a bunch of questions to kind of get to on that. Scheme-wise, it'll be interesting because he was running Kiffin's offense. He was running Sark's. What's his? What does he want to do? Do you want to keep the same kind of thing you're running now? No, he's changed it up where it's more of a run-first kind of team. Um, and Cody Kessler's numbers have kind of dropped off since then. So that will definitely be one of those interesting things to watch, Gerard. We don't know what the staff's going to look like. We don't know. If there's going to be big name, you know, a big, maybe a big name offensive coordinator comes in and he runs the, the offense. It's a different scheme completely. We just don't know any of that right now. I do think that Helton, and we've talked about this in the past, and I've been asked about this on the boards, um, just in terms of him bringing in an office coordinator, because right now they don't have an offensive coordinator. I mean, yeah. Helton is kind of the head coach office coordinator. Um, I think ego wise, he's not sort of driven to be the play caller and the mastermind genius. Certainly is Lane Kiffin and not as much as Sark. Sark, I think, was a little more 
open to giving up things and allowing Helton to do some things and allowing the offense to develop. For me, Sark was always a trendy guy. Everything he did was trendy. I mean, you know, Rising Stars Camp. Hey, I'm going to Washington. What do we call our camp? Rising Stars Camp, because that worked at USC. Sark was always open to doing whatever worked for the other guy. And I think that was kind of the thing people got lost in. They kind of thought he was sort of egomaniacal the way that Lane Kiffin was, where Lane, Lane is he's going to do it his way or he's not going to do it anyway. That's pretty much how Lane always just run things. And even to this day, I think that's how he does things. Yeah. But with Sark, he was a little more open. Now you have, you know, Clay Helton, who I think is really, I think he's a guy that's going to step back. I, I think he will obviously have say in the offense and he'll want to run certain things and he has certain beliefs in how you do certain things from an offensive standpoint and maybe a defensive standpoint, hard to tell. He's only been an offensive coach, you know, his career. Uh, but I think he's much more humble um, and will kind of step back and maybe be a little more of a Frank Beamer. Uh, it's some of the things that we talked about with John Harbaugh, maybe being, you know, really good for USC is being a guy that wasn't really a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator. So he doesn't scare any really highly qualified coordinators away from USC. I think Helton can kind of sort of be that guy. You know, a good offensive coordinator doesn't want to go to a school where the, off, where the, where the head coach is supposedly this offensive mind because everybody's going to give any success to the head coach or any failures, well, to the offensive coordinator. Well, who's the play caller? And that kind of game always gets played with, with, with those coaches. So I think with Helton being a guy that might be a little more, you know, laissez-faire, I think he'll be able to sign guys and bring guys in that are probably um, – bigger bigger names and, and guys that are big now whether he does or not is that that's another question though you know i mean we know that coaching can be pretty nepotistic i don't know is that a word nepotism and taking it and making it a verb sure. um <laughs> it's uh it's sort of it's sort of uh kind of thing that you know we saw it with pc we saw it with you know lane to some extent um sark we actually saw less of it with um, you know, he went out and kind of grabbed some guys and, and, you know, when things weren't working on the defensive side of the ball for Washington, he went out and fired Nick Holt and brought in just basically a, a, a who's who of Pac-12 coaches. You know, that's when they brought in Tosh Lapoy and Keith Hayward and Peter Sherman and all those guys that, you know, that was supposed to be like a dream team of Pac-12 defensive coaches. People forget that. Uh, but I think with Helton, it's going to be just interesting. Obviously, he doesn't have a lot of experience in a lot of other schools. So how deep is his Rolodex? You know, his dad, Kim, played. Um, or, or coached uh, in the NFL offensive line and, and coached college for a number of years. You know, maybe there's some connection through there that he can bring in some guys that he knows. We know Tommy Robinson is a running back coach, play, uh, coach with uh, Helton at Memphis and was a guy that recommended um, or was recommended by Helton to Lane Kiffin uh, when Lane Kiffin was coach and Helton was uh, there as the pass coordinator at USC. So there's some guys and there's some things, but um, I think overall in terms of offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, play calling, you know, Lane – Clay Helton has a lot less ego, I think, than Lane Kiffin or, or C. Sarkeesian when it comes to that aspect, and you may be able to attract uh, a higher level of coaches. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. It'll be interesting. His brother, too, I think it's the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky. Uh, but I think the head coach has a lot to do with the offense in that one. They, but they, they they put up a lot of yards. That's, you, you mentioned that. Now, that's kind of like a little, little test a little bit there for Helton, Clay Helton. Um, you know, does he just you go and hire brother. his brother from Western Kentucky? He's been <laughs> off the corner for, what, a year? I think at Western Kentucky, I think he was just like a position coach before that. Or does he go and get somebody who's been an offensive coordinator and been proven somewhere else, et cetera, et cetera. So that will be really the first test that we know kind of which direction Clay Helton decides to go in. Uh, James in Kansas City wrote in. He just he wanted to make our honest, give us our honest feeling of honest feelings and assessment about this. Hopefully, we're doing that for you, James. And uh, you know, every that's all we're going to talk about here. We're not giving you sugarcoating anything. You know, be critical. 
Um, we're going to tell you exactly how we feel. So thanks for writing in. Melvin said, well, he said, first, great day to finally have beaten UCLA. Three years too long. Notre Dame next, I hope. Uh, anyway, thanks for the platform to get all this news to USC fans. Well, you're welcome, Melvin. And he's, he wants to know, we kind of talked about this, but do, do uh, you or any of uh, your staff have an opinion on whether Coach Helton would be obligated to keep all of the same assistants or would he be able to fire and hire as he sees fit? And it's funny, I got, I think I was on with, I was on some radio show. I figured I've done a bunch of one this morning, Gerard. And like, oh, they're going to keep all the same assistants, right? And I, I don't get that impression. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of changes, in my opinion. We don't know for sure. And logic doesn't always win out in these kind of things. But I, I kind of see a lot of changes being made. What do you think? I tend to lean that way, too. Um, I mean, I've heard from some sources um, that really, you know, Marcus Tuiasis Opo and T. Martin might be the only two coaches that are sort of safe uh, within the staff. Now, is that an opinion that is formed by Clay Helton and is sort of leaking out? Or is that the opinion of other people that have influence over Clay Helton? Um, that's going to be the biggest question. And, and again, it goes back to the point of what system does Clay Helton want to run? You know, from a leadership standpoint, what does he want to do? Does he have something in his mind that, okay, I need this coach, these coaches that teach this specific way? You know, I want an offensive line coach that's going to teach this specific way or I want, you know, my quarterbacks to do this or my running backs to do that. And and if you're going to change the system to some extent, then you may want to change coaching staff. Um, same thing with the defensive side of the ball as well. And so I lean towards that. The interesting thing about Helton, just speaking on offense, I mean, his roots in terms of offensive play calling are really towards the run and shoot and the college spread offense. Um, you know, what he did in Memphis and his roots with Houston, uh, that's kind of sort of where he comes from. So you would think as a former quarterback, he'd want to pass the ball first. But USC, as you said, has been really more of a run-first offense and, and legitimately a run-first offense. We heard you know, Steve Sarkeesian when they first came to USC from Washington, that staff sort of say, we're going to be run-first, we're going to continue to be physical. And that didn't always play out that way. You know, it was like, we're going to do this, but then you'd watch the games and go, hey, you're throwing the ball a lot now. You know, you were having success against Stanford, running the ball, running the ball, and then you started passing the ball. And so with Helton, he's pretty much been that guy that's like, no, we are going to be physical, and he has been, which is interesting. So, again, you're talking about how much of that is, is Helton and how much is that, you know, everybody else kind of around him saying, look, it, when USC is successful, they can run the ball. And they've been a physical sort of pro-style offense. And so that's going to influence, you know, how the coaching staff plays out and what needs he needs for fit and in terms of specific things that he may want uh, from the offense, tight ends or receivers. Um, like I said, I think, you know, T. Martin, obviously, from a recruiting standpoint and from a development standpoint, a lot of people want to see him stay at USC. Now, does that mean that Clay Helton has to give him some type of raise or they have to uh, give him, you know, a new title, uh, passing coordinator, uh, we'll see, recruiting coordinator, possibility. Somebody mentioned, hey, you know, they can make uh, T. Martin the recruiting coordinator and the office coordinator. Guess what? That's not going to happen because you're never going to have your office coordinator also be a recruiting coordinator. That's just too much responsibility, yeah. and it just doesn't work out that way. So you're kind of going to be either or, and same thing with the defensive coordinator, um, you know, special teams coaches. That's where you could see maybe, you know, running back special teams coach like Johnny Nansen or a tight end special teams coach, uh, sort of like John Baxter did at the end of his tenure uh, at USC. So we'll see. You know, we'll see, again, what kind of hires you, uh, Clay Helton makes from a relationship standpoint, people he knows, the connections that he has, and then who he goes after as 
the best guy that he can get that is a proven coach. You know, this is a proven guy that has been successful in college or even in the NFL and does a specific thing. And then you go, okay, well, that's, that's Clay Helton just wants the best uh, staff that he can possibly bring in. Um, sometimes that w- doesn't work though. You know, like we said, you know, dream team staff, we saw it at UCLA, we saw it at Washington where you bring in a bunch of coaches from all over the place and they're supposed to be really good at what they do, and they don't necessarily mesh as a staff. It's almost like an offensive line or a team in general. You do have to have staff chemistry, and everybody has to be on the same page. Um, certainly with Clay Helton and Steve Sarkeesian, with the quarterback position, we saw a lot of inconsistencies and sort of some things where they wanted to recruit one guy, and then they wanted to recruit another guy. They wanted K.J. Costello, big pro-passing type pocket quarterback, and then you also sort of want to shade Patterson, who's like a kind of running spread quarterback that can throw the ball well too. And and you're recruiting both of them, and you basically say, okay, whoever rec- commits first will take you. Well, that doesn't go over with Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson decides, okay, I'm going to go to Ole Miss because I'm their number one guy, and they'll wait for me. And then you got K.J. Costello who decided, eh, I don't know, I think I'm going to go to Stanford. And then you end up with neither of them. <laughs> and you okay. go with Matt Fink, who Clay Helton didn't know was getting a scholarship offer until – they were sitting down in Coach Sarkeesian's office, and that's when Coach Sarkeesian broke the news to both Matt Fink and Clay Helton, hey, I'm going to give you a scholarship offer. Interesting. And what I've heard always, you know, just throughout the years here with Clay Helton specifically, in terms of preference of quarterback, he likes pro-style quarterbacks. He wants a guy that can throw the ball first and foremost. So, yeah. you know, when it came to Tate Martell versus, um, uh, oh, um, and now I'm going to blank on his name, Toa from, uh, or Tua, um, Tagovailoa, yeah, 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 from uh, from St. Louis High School in Honolulu, uh, Hawaii. You know they they're leaning towards uh, Toa because they felt like or uh, Tua because they felt like, Toa Lovinon gets in my head all the right. time. Tua, Tua because because he's he's a better passer at, at this point. You know, I mean, he doesn't have all the creativity and the ability to run around and do all this. Stuff, but they feel like, hey, this is our offense. This is the offense we want you to run. This is not you know we, this is not like okay. If, if it looks like it'll work, this will be cool. But, you know, you can always run around and do the Johnny Menzel thing and throw the ball 60 yards downfield off your back foot, and maybe it'll work. They, that, that's not where Clay Helton's coming from. And he and Sark, I think, I don't want to say they butted heads, but there was definitely a little different philosophies. I think Sark kind of wanted to go with whatever was working again for the other guy, what he saw around the Pac-12 and said, oh, this is, you know, we need more mobile guys. Yeah. This is what's going on. Oregon is starting to, you know, dominate everybody offensively. And I think Clay Helton goes more to, eh, this is the offense. This, you know, this is what we know. So let's run this through the quarterback and have him sort of manage the game more than maybe be a guy that's a playmaker back there. So again, yeah. I mean, there's, we're talking yeah. about preferences and we don't really know what those preferences are right now. We can only see, you know, little bits and pieces of it through, you know, the, the, the prism of, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and, and Lane Kiffin that have come before him. Well, I think, you know, one, I think you're going to see more of the old school football. I think the, the old school alumni and the boosters like Clay. I think they like the run first kind of thing. So I think he's going to have to stick with that. If he switched to some air raid deal, I think there would be a mutiny because the guys that really wanted him behind the scenes don't want that. They wanted. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So I think you're going to see that. Yeah. And two, there, and, and I was doing a radio interview with Rick Neuheisel, who's a, I think he's a great analyst. He asked me a very pointed question before. I think I brought this up on the podcast, but he was asking about the staff. And what the cohesiveness is there. And I'm like, you know, it does seem, the sense I get is a bunch of independent contractors. You have like six guys that came down for Washington and they're kind of like their own clique. And then you have like Clay and T that were on staff, uh, you know, Connolly that's come in separately, uh, Chris Wilson. It's just kind of like, I didn't get the sense of the chemistry and the staff was all that great. I think there's some, 
some really good guys on there, but it just didn't seem like it all worked. All the guys from Washington were seemed to be like their own deal. So I think some of that has come into play here with all that. So that's kind of why I feel there's going to be a big shakeup in the staff. Yeah. And, um, I think, uh, I agree, I agree with the point, you know, in terms of the former players and, in sort of that circle that definitely wanted Clay Helton. And I don't know if that's because they just heard from the, the current players. Not the all former players, players. There's a lot. I mean, I've talked to a bunch that don't, that are really upset about this. And I know oh, Bruce Feldman okay. tweeted this out and, it seems to be more like the Pete Carroll era players are not as happy. Like the older school players yeah, right, yeah. are. You know, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. But that's it's it's a you know whatever. Well, let's. You want to answer some more questions? Should we jump in there? Let's do it. Okay, so we'll try to get through. We have a whole bunch to get through. Um, Earl in West L.A. Where would we be now if Steve Sarkeesian had not kept Clay Helton on his staff? Well, he wouldn't certainly wouldn't have been hired as the head coach of USC. I don't know. Marcus Tuiasosopo might uh, might be been. the guy on the uh, on the podium right now. Um, I I mean, well, you could also you, know, you wonder you know what would happen with uh, uh, USC if Steve Sarkeesian would still be the coach. I, I think if Steve Sarkeesian had uh, not had any off field issues, uh, regardless of wins and losses, I think he'd still be the coach right now, yeah. and I think he'd be the coach going into next year. Now, next year, I think he would have been on the hot seat. Yeah. But uh, regardless of wins and losses, I think um, he he would have stayed put. I, I don't think USC was prepared uh, to move on from him as quickly as po- as they did. Yeah. This, and, this um, forced Pat in his hand for sure. This that's what it did. And and then the question becomes, and, and you know, there's been a lot of speculation about that. Is you know, where does Pat Hayden fall into this? And and is he moving on? You know, is he going to step down? A, a lot of people keep asking that question. They keep asking about his health. They keep asking about, well, they asked about the deal with Sarkeesian and kind of how he was fired and, and went on with that. At this point, to my knowledge, because I'm not on the beat like you and Dan are every day, I, Pat Hayden hasn't answered many questions about anything, quite frankly, since uh, he put Steve Sarkeesian on leave. Um, and so that that's kind of a big question as well is, is sort of, and again, it goes back to the accountability and I think with people, and I, I could, I think I could speak sort of for the, the majority of fans because I, I, I read their, their messages every day and on Twitter and, and obviously I get much of emails and we're the biggest USC site out there right now. I mean, we've climbed back up the mountain after, you know, coming to scout and kind of almost starting over a little bit. And we've seen, you know, a whole new fan base and a whole new bunch of people that were always at Scout. And so it's kind of a different deal now. You know, we kind of have, okay, we, we had the people that we grew over that rivals and then they've come over with us. And now we've encountered all these people at Scout, which, you know, a lot of longtime fans, you know, that, that were on the site that have been on the site for a long time, kind of a, a small core fans. And I think when, when Blaine Kiffin was hired, it was sort of like, okay, you know, it didn't work out. So who do you go and who do you blame? Well, they blame Lane Kiffin. I think a lot of them. I think a lot of people felt like, you know what? Lane kind of screwed up. He did things he shouldn't have done. He, he had sort of this divisive personality that, that came off as arrogant for people. And, and fair or not, that they just kind of put a lot into Lane Kiffin and they didn't like Lane Kiffin. When Sark came around and then it didn't work out, the veterans kind of gone more towards Hayden. And I think if this doesn't work out, then it comes to pass maybe Hayden's not the guy that the USC fans are really upset with. And they start going up higher and they start going towards, well, who hired Pat Hayden and who's got oversight over Pat Hayden. And you're talking about the BOT and you're talking about those type of people, maybe even, you know, Nikias or, or the president. I don't know if, if fans really connect that necessarily, but I'm sure, you know, at some point they will. That's sort of how this has gone. And, and we'll see, you know, if it develops, I mean, hopefully, you know, Clay Helton is successful 
And Pat Hayden can, you know, ride off into the sunset and kind of laugh at everybody and say, hey, man, you know, I mean, I, I was, I had it under control the whole time. Um, but if not, that's sort of how the blame game has gone. You know, it's, uh, you know, kind of gone up the chain. Blame game going up the chain. And <laughs> at this point, it's, uh, you know, people are upset with Hayden, but I think they're going to start climbing over Hayden's head pretty soon and, and say, okay, if this doesn't work out, then, then, you know, Hayden's not where it stops. Yeah. Uh, we had a comment from Frank. He says, my guy for the head coaching job at USC has always been Mike D'Antonio, but after Michigan State beat Ohio State, I realized he would never leave the Spartans for the Trojans. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I'm sure they didn't really talk to him. You don't know that. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> you still like, know we can because, assume, I guess. Yeah, uh, I guess you could assume that, but he said, I'll be on the bus with the fans from Sacramento going to Levi Stadium on Saturday. I will have my fingers and toes crossed for Coach Helton. Yeah, I think that's the right attitude. Maybe you didn't get the guy that you wanted. But I think people should still support, you know, Clay Helton. Clay Helton's like the greatest dude. He's really nice and you only wish him success. A lot of this hatred, I think, like you were mentioning, isn't really directed at Clay Helton. It's really at the, you know, the powers that be that, that made the decision to hire him and hire Sark and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The, the, the frustration, I mean, from my vantage point, I think with the fans is more the process. And if they feel like the process itself was, was cheated or, or wasn't really thorough, then they feel like, you know, are, are we doing the best for the university type of thing? That's where the questions come in. That's where, um, and I think, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things that I don't think the fans feel like Pat Hayden is a fifth column. I think they just feel like maybe he's too much of a fan. You know, he, he's too involved in the program and too close to the program and doesn't know when to sort of step back and say, okay, let me hire somebody to do that job. Not let me hire somebody who I can help do the job with. And he's been very close to the program. And, and I, I don't know if we've necessarily been critical of that, more of just kind of calling it like it is. I mean, he's been involved with play calling, uh, um, the, the installation of play calling preparations and play charts, uh, uh, you know, during game week. Um, and, and, and obviously, you know, when he came down, uh, off the, off the, out of the press box and was on the sidelines for the Stanford game, that was kind of an embarrassing thing that this really shouldn't have happened. Like he should have known better. Like, no, don't, don't get down there and start arguing with referees as an AD. That, that doesn't look good for anybody. And you're really not helping anything in the, in no. the long run. Not, certainly not even helping your head coach because it kind of made his head coach look like he didn't, you know, have the, the, the power and the ability to be able to, to kind of stand on his own two feet a little bit. Um, there are a lot of things like that that have gone on. And so I think the question becomes more of, you know, we need some guys that are, you know, maybe the more that, that name a minute, that word administrator gets thrown out there, which when did you ever hear anybody say we need an administrator? I don't think that ever comes up in, in any situation, in any company ever. Like, oh, we need a guy who's more of an administrator. Everybody hates administrators because that word goes along with bureaucracy. <laughs> but in this particular case, I think – they will the fans kind of feel maybe there needs to be separation. And I can see the argument for it. I mean, seeing kind of how things have gone, obviously it's not been successful. And so I can see the argument with, you know what, let the coaches coach, let the, let the recruiting meetings go on, let the, the, you know, the, the creating the, the install for the game week and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Just let it be and, and don't get too involved in it because then you may not have the right perspective and view of what's occurring and, and the performance of everything going on, whether it be from your head coach uh, or be from other players. Um, and, but it's hard. And, and, I, and I have to say, and I have to be very clear about this. I mean, I've stood on the sidelines with Pat Hayden and J.K. McKay, and those guys, those guys are fans. They love USC football. 
I mean, they're out there and they're yelling at bad calls and they're, I mean, they, they are into it, red face and all. They love USC. There's no doubt about that. So it's not a matter of, of loyalty or passion. None of those things, I think, comes up. I think the fans that are, that are really aware and understand, I think their question is more of just, you know, do we have the right person qualified to be able to take that step back and, and see the forest through the trees? Yeah. All right. Well, let's try it. We've got a bunch more. Let's try to rapid fire through some of these. Um, Nathan said, Hey Ryan, second time writing in. I love watching the team perform as of late. And with Clay Helton in the job, I am sure it can and will continue. My concern is this. I know Sark had recruited the spread and was going towards a spread option type of offense. With that being said, do we have any potential guys lined up to take Soma Vanuku and Jaleel Pinner's spot watching the games? I see how vital a position that is for our run game and interested to see how it is going forward. Thanks for your time. Nathan, I'm not sure how vital it is. It, you know, they don't get on the field all that often. Sometimes Suma Vanuku never gets in and Pinner gets like 10, 12 plays or something. So I'm not how vital it is, but what do you think about that, Gerard? That's a good question. And, and to this point, we have not seen any real attempt to replace either of those guys. I think the replacement really becomes in a, in a position. I think they're replacing the fullback more with an H back and maybe recruiting uh, tight ends that are maybe a little shorter but a little faster and can block a little better out of the offensive backfield. Um, they're still recruiting tight ends, and I think the tight end position isn't going to change. And quite frankly, you know, we talk about that word spread, and, and a lot, you know, when we're doing these profiles, really getting specification on the, 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 the verbiage that's used to describe each of these offenses. You know, are you running a pass spread offense or are you running a run spread offense? Are you running a, a, a spread smash mouth type run offense? I mean, we talked about Tom Herman as a candidate and the type of spread offense he runs as opposed to, you know, Kevin Sumlin, who's running a spread offense, which is real more of an air raid offense. So I think what Seashore Kiji has set out to do and what USC is still really doing, and then play calling is different, obviously, because Clay Helton has got total complete play uh, calling control. Um, but in terms of personnel and the offense from a formation to formation standpoint, it's pretty much still the same Steve Sarkeesian installed. And that is kind of a college spread run offense, running majority out of the shotgun. Occasionally you'll do some pistol, occasionally do a little one back under center, but a lot of it is out of shotgun. And, and you, and you set that up with more pro passing style concepts. So you're, you're using the play action to set up the pass. There's some option routes that are in the offense for the, for the wide receivers. So that part of it is more pro style. Um, so they're trying to hybrid the two and it's a good, it's, it's a good concept and I understand what they're trying to do and I, I, I like it. Um, it's the same thing though that Chip Kelly is trying to do in the NFL, just vice versa. He's trying to bring his college spread run, his option offense to the pros and make it kind of, you know, combine it with what the NFL does from a passing concept. And obviously see, he's gotten away from the running quarterbacks. Um, you know, he doesn't have running quarterbacks. And a lot of people, it's an interesting thing when talked about, well, you know, Chip Kelly wants to stay at Philadelphia because he'll, he'll not have Sam Bradford anymore. And next year he can go after maybe RG3 or he can go after uh, Colin Kaepernick. Well, you know, Chip Kelly's been there for three years. He's had ample time to go and try to trade or try to get a guy who's a running quarterback. He hasn't. In fact, he's drafted and traded for guys that are not running quarterbacks. He's got Mark Sanchez there. He drafted Mike Barkley. I mean, yeah, they brought in Tim Tebow for a minute to, to be a guy in the offense, and he had an opportunity to try to make him work as a running quarterback in the offense, and he cut him. After the day they traded uh, Matt Barkley to Arizona, and everybody thought, oh, Tebow's getting a chance, and they cut him anyways. Yeah. So he, Chip Kelly's saying the running quarterback's not going to work in the NFL. <laughs> I'm not going to get my guy killed 
I'm going to have guys here that can pass the ball. And sort of that was the same thing Steve Sarkeesian basically took and said, hey, that's what Chip Kelly's doing. That's what I want to do here. I want to have up-tempo, but I'm going to have a quarterback that can pass first. Uh, we'll leave the running game to the running back. And it worked for Chip Kelly at first, and so it worked for Steve Sarkeesian at first too. And now we're seeing it's not working for Chip Kelly. And obviously, Steve Sarkeesian's not at USC to see that play throughout. We'll see if Chip Kelly, or excuse me, if Clay Helton decides, you know what, I want to stay with the offense and I want to do it. Like I said before, the preference still is for the pocket quarterback. Um, even if you're just, you know, out of the shotgun, you're still a pocket passer. You know, running that room, that, that read zone, I, I think that's really where I have the biggest problem in terms of your preference of quarterback. If you've got a guy that can't run and he's not mobile and he's running that read zone option look, whether you, it, it's a, it's an option or not, that quarterback is, is there and the play action just, it doesn't work real well. It's, it's really hard to get the play action fake and to get the linebackers biting on the guy when you're out of the shotgun and you're showing that ball. The real, you know, the danger, the weapon in, in that, that formation and, and running that offense is when your quarterback can run it. That's, that's the, the misdirection part of it. It's really more of a misdirection offense than it is a play action offense. And USC doesn't really have that with Cody Kessler. They're not going to have that with Max Brown. So, you know, they could continue to run it, though, and, and see if it works. The offense is not terrible right now. I mean, they've, they've had their games where they've looked pretty bad, but they've had games where they've looked pretty good. I think compared to what Lane Kiffin was running, this offense is much more cohesive, and there's a lot more threat to it. Um, so we're going to have to see going forward. You know, again, what, 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 Clay, what is Clay Helton really going to do? Who is Clay Helton, really? I mean, we don't know until he has a full year uh, under his belt and we see, you know, what, with an offseason and spring ball, what he wants to install. All right. That was, for the record, that's not rapid fire by any No, by I'm any sorry. Definition. I didn't even hear the rapid fire. Oh, that by any definition, that's not. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to read. Justin had a com- I'll read a comment and then a question from Ron. He said, I'm writing this assuming that the majority of your emails are negative towards the hiring of Clay Helton. It's been kind of mixed. Uh, I'd just like to say that I support the hire, and I'm looking forward to seeing what type of recruiting class he brings in, what staff he puts together. Uh, he said he needs a real QB coach and an offensive coordinator to fill his own shoes. Bob Connolly has to go, as so does Justin Wilcox. Um, all right, well, that was that comment. Oh, he says, how does the um, – yeah, okay, well, sorry, we got to move on. Ron, so thank, thank you for that, Justin. We're going to go to Ron. He said, I'm good with the hire of Helton, but I thought the timing was interesting. Was there something strategic to naming him now instead of after the Pac-12 championship game? We kind of talked about that. I, we covered that rapid yeah. fire. Uh, perhaps Hayden was uh, concerned with the backlash if this is another bad loss. Yeah, I think that's really the main thing there. Uh, anyways, I think it's a good hire, but I couldn't find anything about the contract. Is it a one-year deal? Um, Pat Hayden said it was a five-year guarantee deal. And he said, also, will Helton have the courage to replace staff members this offseason might be a tough test for him tougher than you would think because he's such a nice guy fight on from ron in utah and that's that's funny i'm having a hard time picturing clay helton t- telling somebody he's fired because he is such a nice guy but i think that it will happen he, he has to do that that's a head coach's job yeah we wrote about that in the in, in the, the profile just the awkwardness of of his situation and it's you know he could go somewhere else and, and go to Houston if Tom Herman left or go take the Memphis job, which a lot of people thought, hey, that, that would line up well for him, uh, Jesse Fuente uh, leaving for Virginia Tech. Um, and he could, you know, hire a new staff or take guys from USC with them and, and do whatever, and there would be no real guilt or anything like that. But now he has relationships with the coaches on this staff. And, um, you know, you, you, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's awkward, you know, and you're coaching another game and these guys – you know, uh, I think both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, I think everybody's kind of looking around going, hmm, 
you know, um, am I going to be retained and, and do I want to be retained? You know, I know, you know, there's coaches that definitely want to return at USC. I mean, Chris, Chris Wilson, the defensive line coach, you know, his son just walked on at USC and is a guy that is going to contribute to USC down the road. Um, you know, obviously he wants to stay at USC, but yeah. you know, if you're Clay Helton and, and you feel like, Hey, I want to bring in a defensive coordinator that's got this specific plan and it's going to be the defensive coordinator. If you're going to get a high, if you're going to get a quality guy, you have to give him the freedom to hire whoever he wants. And in that might be true sort of with the offensive coach too. Um, maybe to a lesser extent, but again, this is where you, you get in the clash of egos and things of that nature. Um, if you have a coach that's uh, an offensive coordinator slash head coach or a defensive coordinator slash head coach, um, you're not going to bring in this big name guy underneath him because it's going to be kind of an ego thing. And obviously he's not going to have control over the other guys that he hires on the staff, guys that he trusts that can run his system. Um, so, that's going to be one of those things that I think, um, you know, at, at most Clay could basically just go, Hey, um, I'm going to bring in a different guy as a defensive coordinator. Uh, I feel like we got to have, you know, a different philosophy on defense and let that guy do the firing. <laughs> Say, Hey, I brought him in, whatever he wants. That's what he's going to get. He can interview you guys if he wants to, but if he's got other guys in mind that he wants to hire, then that's the way it goes. I, I feel like, yeah, I might be throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, I'm still a big defender of, of Keith Hayward. I think he's done a fantastic job with the defensive backs when you look at it in context and you look at how they played and you look at the youth and the guys that they have that are returning that uh, weren't really experienced. Um, you know, I think Peter Sermon, as a recruiting coordinator, has done a hell of a job with evaluations. I mean, I think they've done a really good job uh, with evaluations uh, with this staff and getting guys in from kind of all over the place, you know, guys like Aqua Cedric Ware, who, I mean, you know, it was like Iowa, USC was, was recruiting against for Aqua Cedric Ware. And he didn't get to play a lot this year, but I'll tell you what, man, that's a guy that will contribute down the line for USC. He's going to be a really good running back. Um, they got a lot of guys like that. I think they've done a really good job with evaluations. But again, you know, it's one of those days, one of those deals that if you want to bring in a guy that's big time, you're going to probably have to clean slate it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We, so uh, I, I think in general, there's a lot of support for Helton, but there's a lot of criticism towards Pat Hayden, like uh, Harold, NorCal Trojan. Uh, did he just get caught up in the moment with the winter view slate talking about the timing and stuff? Um, so there's, I think most of the negativity has been towards uh, Pat Hayden. We actually did a Twitter poll and Hel- like, should Helton have been hired? And I was a little surprised because on the peristyle, it's more negative where most people don't want him or I've the majority, it was about 50-50. Helton was actually winning like 54 to 46 or something like that. On the he beat team. out Kerry Patterson. Oh, yeah, and then in the poll, in our, our uh, bracket, which I think I'm still going to finish, even though Helton was already hired. People like that bracket so much. I think I'm going to do that. But most of it's towards Hayden. And this one, um, this is really interesting. He said, with Helton getting promoted to full-time coach, my suspicions about Pat Hayden have been confirmed. He's a Notre Dame mole. That's pretty harsh. <laughs> I can't wait for Hayden's presser where he says he, quote, went with his gut since that worked so well the last time. Hell, he might even say that the Helton 2016 hashtag started by the players is what convinced him that it was the right hire. My question is, what was the rush? Did someone tell Hayden that uh, Helton had fielded a call from McNeese State? Uh, why does he see where the proven coaches were at season's end to go from there? Uh, that guy's just one dumpster fire after another. Bring back Mike Garrett. So, I mean, we, we talked about the timing and everything, but that's, those are, that's kind of the more on the extreme end, but most of the, I guess the bile or whatever is built up is towards Pat Hayden and not Clay Helton. No, exactly. You know, the, the chain game and blame, uh, goes up, goes up. And like I said, now I'm hearing more of, you know, the people that are frustrated with it. And like, I mean, you said, you know, there was, there was more of the, 
latter era and or uh, team players, the alums that have you know kind of come through USC are, are a little less um, positive about uh, the the higher whereas you got the older guys like Keyshawn Johnson um, that are that are very pro Helton, you know that think that's a great hire. Uh, it's interesting, you know. To, I I I really with the most of the former players, um, and I'll admit, I mean, thinking off the top of my head, were probably older. You know, like '90s and and those guys, they they like Helton. You know, they I, I, his name came up. You know, why don't they just keep Helton and stuff? And I always got that from you know being the relationships that they had with the players, and a lot of those guys are still plugged in with the players. And I think they, you know, know how big it is um, for for the for the players to really rally around their coach. And I mean, that's something that we really hadn't talked about. We we're talking about game plan. We're talking about philosophies and all this stuff. At the end of the day, a lot of college football is about motion, and it's about motivation. And, 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 you know, we saw a little bit with Ed Ergeron and we, we see it with Clay Helton when, you know, this team is focused and they're driven, they can beat anybody. I mean, they've got the talent to beat anybody. And, and I think, you know, keep it simple, stupid is something that you can kind of throw in there. It, it, you don't need to get too fancy. They ran man coverage uh, against UCLA and they just let their athletes play. And all of a sudden, you know, we got people on the board uh, on the peristyle going on. Mom Marshall needs to move the linebacker. Oh, when are they going to put him in an outside linebacker? He's not a corner. Well, she turned around and had two great picks in man coverage against UCLA. <laughs> Jordan Payton, you know, and the guy who's, who's, who's wrecked the Pac-12. Um, a great route runner. Uh, so, I mean, you know, this one of those things that you kind of, you, you, you forget about just the aspect of, yeah, you know what? If, if the players really want to fight for this guy and they want to go to war for him, that's going to take you part of the way. But it's only going to take you part of the way. Because it's going to take you to eight wins. It might get you to nine wins. But if you want to win the big games, there's got to be some strategy involved. And the coach has got to be smart. And he's got to do things in an organized way and really manage um, the program as a whole. And, and, and obviously, we, that's what we have not seen. We saw Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin wanted to be an offensive coordinator uh, posing as a head coach. I mean, yeah. that was, I mean, to sum it all up, that sort of ended what Lane was doing at USC and sort of, you know, I think, there's coaches on that staff that were telling me they just wanted to shake lane sometimes and say, dude, stop, stop. Just you're your head coach. You don't need to get all just involved on, you know, every play. <laughs> just this, we need to look at the bigger picture here, Lane. Um, and then you had Sark, which obviously got derailed uh, from just personal issues. And we never really got to see maybe what the real Steelers, Steve Sarkisian was really about. You know, I mean, what, what would he have been like if he would have been just sober and he would have been focused on USC football and, and you know, totally committed to the job and not had, you know, other distractions and other things going on? We, we don't know. Um, so now you got a guy that sort of a little bit like, you know, uh, Ed Ergeron, but I think maybe there's a little more confidence from the administration in terms of, again, you know, the accountability link, or, 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 of Clay Helton and sort of the trust factor um, he's not a guy that is, is, is high maintenance. You know, he's not a guy that is, is going to say anything or do anything that's going to be outrageous. And not to say Ed Erdron was that guy either, but I think they just feel like coming from, you know, with his dad being a coach and, and sort of how he's come up and seen, you know, the, the ups and downs of the program. Um, he knows not what to, 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 to not, he knows what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he's the best way to put it. He, he's seen what doesn't work at USC with Lane and Sark. And so maybe they feel like, okay, we have established this ground where we can move on from all of that instead of necessarily bringing somebody in who doesn't understand that there are going to be pitfalls, even at a school at USC. I mean, you could come in and bring in an NFL guy like Sean Payton, and he could be a catastrophe just because 
he has all these preconceived notions of what USC is about or what it's like to coach at the college level and, and the, the lack of time that you have to install an offense and recruiting and all these other things. Well, Clay Helton, you don't have to do any of that. He already knows exactly what you have at USC and what you can and cannot do. So you kind of build forward from that point on. Uh, let's talk a couple real quick. I know I got to do a radio interview here pretty soon. Um, said, I'm sure you're overwhelmed with the questions after the news of Helton's promotion. So I'll keep it brief. Does Helton get the job if we were to reverse the order of the UCLA win and the Oregon loss? This choice seems to be the latest example of ill-conceived gut-level decisions that have plagued this athletic department since Hayden's hire. I admire Hayden and wish him and the team the best, but both my brain and my gut say that this is not the move that will help USC return to dominance. Fight on from Brian in Montreal. We love the international questions. Yeah, what, so what happens if you, if, if Oregon would have beat USC this last weekend and they had beat UCLA the weekend before? We'll never know. What, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, what happens what if say? USC yeah. turns around and loses to Stanford and then they lose in the bowl game? I mean, obviously that's not going to be a great way to start off 2000, uh, 2016-17 season when you open up with Alabama and you're at Notre Dame and you're at Utah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's good. it could get, like somebody posted on the board, it could get ugly quick, you know, but, yeah. but that's all, you, you know, you, you, you cross that bridge when you get to it and, um, you can analyze all these things that could happen and, you kind of at, at this point right now, you know, when when you have a new head coach that comes in, and it's not really a new head coach, but you have you know the announcement of okay, this is how it is moving forward. Um, you just kind of have to sort of wait and see, and, and we have to wait and see. Um, really, it's going to be the off season and the, and the new staff and sort of how everybody gets together and what the offense looks like and uh, you know the cohesiveness they they get they get going really quickly and you know the the we're going to be the Jerry Dome. I guess Alabama, you know, there's not a lot of time to uh, kind of ease into the season. They're going to get um, chin-checked real quick if they're not prepared and they're not organized. Um, but um, they'll be good if they are. I mean, yeah. I, I think they I, – I, this is the one thing. Again, it's the focus. It's the focus that we've seen with USC when they're motivated, when they are the underdog, when people doubt them. They played well uh, in most of these games. Oregon's probably the only exception where they really didn't play well and a lot of people thought Oregon was going to win. But against Utah, uh, Notre Dame, um, UCLA, there was a few games here where you know people thought, eh, USC's probably going to get beat. They're, they they should be the underdog, uh, whether because of controversy or distractions or whatever. And they came out and they proved people wrong. And you know, in this game against Stanford, they're probably they're again an underdog. It's a team that they lost to already, but they played tight and they really sh- could have easily won that game uh, against Stanford. I mean, they were up very big early against Stanford in that game. And they thought that Stanford was a pushover, I think. I think they, you know, in that first quarter were, were blowing through Stanford and they let up. And in that second half, they had no answer and they ended up losing the game. Uh, they know who Stanford is now. And Stanford is the favorite to win the Pac-12 and everybody's picking them to go to the Rose Bowl. And so they'll be motivated. The question for me is, can Clay Helton follow? It's the follow-up. This team has an immaturity about it that, you know, they, they can get up for those games and they can get motivated for the games that people start to doubt them. But it's the games following those games that you have to get up for. It's that, you know, it's that even keel that Pete Carroll was so good at installing at USC. He instilled this, um, you know, every game is a big game mentality and it didn't matter. You know, if you're playing a, 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 a the team that you're supposed to blow out as opposed to the team that's Ohio state, that's coming in or Nebraska. Um, now they had, you know, their slip ups against Oregon state and, and those teams that, you know, you go, well, they should have won those games. But really, I mean, we're looking at the, the, the whole seven seasons here. There wasn't a lot of those games. Uh, he won more than uh, they lost. 
and there wasn't the up and down sort of roller coaster type seasons that we've seen with Lane Kiffin and really even more with Steve Sarkeesian. It's just one of those things that the immaturity of not understanding you got to be consistent. And just because you beat a good team that people thought were going to blow you out and you turn around and then you got to, you know, beat Colorado on the road by three points or, or do something like that, that doesn't work. You know, that doesn't make you a champion. So that's really the moral question for me is the, is the consistency and whether they're able to play back to back to back to back and play at a high level when expectations are there for them to play at a high level. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up, Gerard. It's great stuff. Glad you could come on and, uh, Share the insights. We still have to do like a recruiting one because we got the touch yeah. We got it. no <laughs> no recruiting information on this. People are going to feel like this is false advertising. You put Gerard Martinez's name on something, you better talk about recruiting. Exactly. Well, I mean, we mentioned some of the stuff in there, but we have to. You know, there's just so much coaching stuff we wanted to get to. But you had always some great insights, so I thought it would be good to get you on. And we'll have we'll have Harvey Ott on this week. We'll have Dan Weber on this week. Maybe I'll do a solo podcast. Maybe Gerard comes back this week, and we do two with Gerard, and we'll do one just for recruiting. So, uh, but thanks again, Gerard, for coming on. It was cool stuff. No problem. Thank you for having me. And uh, like I said, everybody just, uh, you know, be patient. <laughs> Let's see how things go. <laughs> yeah. One of those deals, you know, with, with, with a hire that I, I think for people, you know, maybe be underwhelming. Um, but you got to kind of let the, see the team play. And, and um, you know, it starts with Stanford. It, it, it's interesting because um, it's, it's the first game of Clay Helton's season is sort of started now, even though we've already seen them, you know, basically coach the last few games. And we can talk about, you know, the game against Alabama, but we also have, you know, this Saturday to look forward to. So uh, it's interesting times for USC. It is. All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff. And everyone else, thanks for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. Sorry we didn't have Harvey Hyde. Just a crazy morning with the USC hiring another head coach. So uh, it seemed to happen <laughs> to very, very often. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 